Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. It's Friday, July 3rd, 2015, and we are just headed into the 4th of July weekend and uh, looking forward to some fun in the sun. We have a great guest for you today, and we are talking about a uh, book called The Politics of Promotion. How High Achieving Women Get Ahead and Stay Ahead. And our guest today is Bonnie Marcus. Bonnie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, especially to kick off the holiday weekend. Oh, exactly, exactly. Well, I I don't know that we're all thinking a lot about the politics of promotion today, but I know that the women who are part of the Executive Girlfriends Group, so many of them have faced you know, some of the same exact situations that you talk about in this book. And we just thought it would be uh, so appropriate to have you address this with us. Bonnie, before we dive into the book, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I am an ex- executive coach, a certified executive coach. I started my own business in 2007 with the focus on helping professional women promote themselves get the visibility they they need to get ahead. Uh, before that, I was a corporate executive. I started at an entry-level position uh, when I was single, a single parent just after my divorce, and I, I worked my way up to running a national company. Um, I was president and CEO of a service master company out of Downers Grove, um, Illinois. Um, So I have always been intrigued by women's hesitancy to put themselves forward and and promote themselves, understanding what those internal barriers are, and then how to help women overcome some of those barriers. Um, So the focus of of my work and then this book is to really help women understand, number one, how important it is, and number two, to give them the tools to do it in an authentic in an authentic way. Right. Um, I do a lot of speaking. Um, I'm a contributor for Forbes and Business Insider, so I do a, a lot of writing and uh, hope to get my message out through all those different mediums. Well, great. Well, the book uh, begins with a couple of stories that I found intriguing. And, you know, as women, uh, you're right, we, don't, we don't, don't do a great job of promoting ourselves. But it was interesting that one of the first stories you told was about a woman who was incredibly capable. Uh, mm-hmm. She was working in the banking industry, and, you know, she really thought that if she just you know, essentially minded her P's and Q's because she was outside of the the geography of where uh, most of the corporate executives were located. And that if her, you know, her business unit was running well, that, you know, she would pretty much be safe. And, and she found out that that wasn't going to be the case. And I know you have many stories throughout the book like that. But, you know, let's start out talking about how it works and how women 
fit into politics in the workplace? Well, uh, the issue is, and the reason I wrote the book, is that they don't, that we hold ourselves back, and, and we feel that we're taking the high road by not engaging in the politics. We think it's dirty. We think it's underhanded and manipulative. And so we have this mindset that uh, keeps us away from the politics. And what happens is when you have your head in the sand, you are setting yourself up to be vulnerable. And really that happened to me, that happened to Sally Krawcheck, as you just described, and many other women who really are extremely talented and savvy to some degree, obviously, but fail to recognize the importance of politics in their career success. Um, the Center for Work-Life Policies um, did some research on this and found that 77% of women believe that their talent and hard work alone will get them ahead. Right. And we know that's, you know that's not reality. That is not reality. And especially in the workplace today, people are way too busy to go out of their way to recognize you. And um, when you don't understand what's going on around you, uh, you can definitely fall victim to some of the power t- politics at play. Right. Well, I thought it was interesting that you talked about the meetings outside of the meetings, the meeting mm-hmm. before the meeting, the meeting after the meeting, the meeting in the hallway, and that those women who have, well, and, and it's not just women, but the point of this book is that women, you're right, they do think they're taking the high road by not getting drawn into those conversations, but they're missing out on what actually is the real meeting. They think they're in the real meeting, but that's not where things are happening. Right, and it it, it is that to some degree. And then the inability to access those meetings is uh, is another huge barrier because women traditionally have been excluded from the boys' club, from the power circles, and so they're not invited to those meetings. Right. Um, even if they have the savvy to know wow, uh, the way I'm going to build consensus is to go to this meeting before the meeting and uh, check in with people after the meeting, uh, very often they're excluded right. based, on, based on their gender. So, so is, is there hope there? And, you know, I mean, it's so funny when I, when I was reading about this, and, and the very word politics actually makes me bristle, because and I'm you know not thinking about the the uh, type of politics in our country, but the politics within corporations, because it's the very reason why I left corporate America 19 years ago, because I didn't play politics well, and I looked at the people who did, and actually, I mean, I I really hate to say it, but I have to be honest, I thought less of them, because they played that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there is this sense that. Uh, it's unfair that uh, there really should be a meritocracy, and uh, so when when you really hold on to that belief, it's very difficult to really engage, embrace in the politics. But politics doesn't have to be negative. And I think another point that I really want to make is that the people who are obviously political, um, who really outright appear to be manipulative are not what I call politically savvy. Because if you're politically savvy, uh, you're building relationships 
and building mutually beneficial relationships. Uh, the way you are using these relationships um, for mutual benefit and win-win situations, to me, is what the essence of politics is about. And it doesn't have to be um, that you win and somebody else loses. And, right, and so right. politics can be a positive thing when you think of it as relationships, when you think of it as building strategic relationships that will help you reach your career goal and help the organization, help the business move forward. Right. Well, you know, actually for me, it always starts with the ability to keep your mouth shut <laughs> at certain <laughs> times. And I'm, I have to admit, I, I was not very good at that in, in corporate life. And, and so the politics is actually sometimes just listening first before you speak. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, in the book, the the second, third chapter is, is called the uh, magnifying glass, which is a tool in the kit. And that's to help you focus on what's going on around you. Because you can't build a successful career in a vacuum. Right. And you need to know uh, who has power and influence. You need to know what the rules are and the unwritten rules. And you need to understand the culture of that organization so that you can position yourself successfully. And, you know, that's where the savvy comes in. Without right. that information, you really are at a loss as to how to create the visibility you need to be successful. Oh, totally. And I love the tool metaphor. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, actually five uh, different tools, the first being the mirror. And, you know, I, I think that this is where it all starts of mm-hmm. having – uh, you know, an appropriate view of your contribution, but understanding how other people see you. The second story that you told in the book uh, was about someone who had come out of a very successful corporate career and, and got brought in uh, to the educational system in New York City. And while she was, again, highly capable, uh, she was ostracized for not being a part of the uh, educational infrastructure. Right. So when we look in the mirror, we say, oh, yeah, I can do that. So then how do you turn what you see in the mirror into that tool for savvy self-promotion without ostracizing people? Well, the mirror helps you identify your value proposition, as you said, and that is the way your work um, contributes to positive business outcomes. I think that a lot of women sell themselves short. They may understand that uh, they're analytical or detail-oriented or, you know, a whole series of adjectives. But they don't understand, they don't connect the dots um, as to how that those qualities lead to positive business outcomes. And that, you know, that's the value proposition. When you understand that, you can then offer your services, offer, offer to help others achieve their goal, offer to help the business reach its goals based on the way you know you add value and the way you know you, you contribute. So it's, it, it, you're right, it's, it's the foundation. And until you understand that, you will hesitate to put yourself forward um, because you don't understand that connection. But each of us contributes in a very unique way. 
and the mirror helps you to do that self-reflection to understand what that is for you. We sometimes miss it because what we're really good at, we take for granted. We think, oh, anybody can do that, you know? Right. Um, and it's not really, it's not the case. We, we, somebody, for instance, with a technical background and a, and a technical, what I call a filter, you know, the way they look at the world through technical solutions, et cetera, looks at the world very differently than I do. I'm not a techie. I mean, I can do, you know, I can manage my devices and and right. um, navigate fairly well through um, through the Internet, et cetera. But I don't look at, say, a business problem for technical solutions. And so we... It's it's a, so much a part of who we are that sometimes we fail to see that that is unique and that we're bringing something very unique to the workplace that way. Right, right. Well, and actually it's another tool, which is the lens. You know, uh, you don't mention this in your book, but what you're talking about is the lens that we use to look. And I, I'm actually the, you know, the mirror opposite of you in that uh, regard. Everything that I look at I look, and whether it's a technical solution or a systematic, um, you know, a process solution, that is immediately where my mind goes. So, you know, everything that I look at uh, is from that perspective. Um, But I want to get back to the magnifying glass that you were talking about a minute ago uh, of really observing workplace dynamics. And, you know, it's so funny because we can pretty easily see what's on the surface. Uh, you know, years ago, I worked for a woman uh, who was in her 40s, and and she uh, had risen to an amazing level in the company. And, uh, you know, very, very, um, she was well-deserved in being in that position. But I remember looking at her and thinking, you know, I wonder why she doesn't have kids. And, you know, and I remember feeling like, um, you know, she had sacrificed everything and, and, you know, she and her husband lived in different cities uh, and commuted back and forth. And, and I thought, wow, you know, what a high price to pay. And it wasn't until many years later when I, I actually worked with her on a consulting basis and later was her business partner, you know, that I found out that she wasn't able to have kids. And it wasn't yeah. that she had made a choice. So we see We do things. make assumptions. Yeah, we see things on the surface, and and we build stories around what we think we see. So what is the real magnifying glass that we need to observe the workplace dynamics in the right way? We need to pay attention. We need to focus. Uh, Very often we're so concerned with, you know, getting our message across or, um, you know, what our agenda is. Our to-do list occupies most of our energy. And that type of focus keeps us from really understanding what is going on around us. Uh, When you have a framework like I lay out in the book, it helps you to look for specific things that may impact your career and your career success. So, for instance, um, most organizations have formal rules, and whether or not those are they pay lip service to those rules uh, is important. For the most part, we know that most organizations say they have equal opportunity or it's a meritocracy, and it, you know that's not really reality. But most importantly, it's important you know to look under the covers 
and see what the unwritten rules are because the unwritten rules often rule. And some of those unwritten rules may be sacred. So to give a really very, very simple example, uh, you start a new job, you show up at 9 o'clock, and you see that everybody else has been there since 7.30. And the unwritten rule is that you will be there at least 90 minutes before the boss arrives. <laughs> now, you didn't know that, right? Right. And if you break that rule, you're not going to get fired because it's not a real rule. Right. But if you don't comply, then how does that affect the perception that others have of you, um, your dedication, your commitment? Um, so, yeah, you could say, well, that's a game. But those rules may be important to your immediate supervisor. And so it's just an example of taking the time to understand what some of those unwritten rules are because they can um, they can affect the way you're viewed, you know, whether or not you comply. It will affect the way you're viewed in the workplace. Um, who has power and who has influence? It's really important to pay attention to this because it shifts all the time. Right. You know, somebody's in favor and then they're not in favor. Somebody has influence and, and then uh, new leadership comes in and, and they don't have it anymore. Um, so how does that play out in your organization? And one way to track that is to figure out how decisions are made and who has the power and who influences those decision makers. But that's important because you want to align yourself. You want to find allies and champions who have power and influence, who can help advocate for you, who can help you sell your initiatives across the organization, et cetera. Right. Um, so you need to pay constant attention because it changes all the time. Right. And then as far as the culture, it, it, you know, what kind of behavior is rewarded and what isn't rewarded? And, and is it okay to be an assertive, ambitious woman? You know, what does it look like for a woman to get ahead where you are? Um, so sometimes there's a mismatch, you know. We'll, we'll take a position based on the title or the compensation or the commute or something, you know, and right. then we get in an organization and we're constantly hitting our head against the wall because it's not a cultural fit. Maybe we're, you know, a go-getter and we're working in a really conservative company and it just takes forever to get a decision and we're frustrated right. or, you know, so... All those things are very important to to look at and look at on a regular basis. I, you know, I think that that is why, Bonnie, I have thrived so well as a consultant because, you know, when I go in to a client, you know, I can, I can assess that stuff pretty quickly. And if it's yeah. not a fit, I don't have to be worried about being employed <laughs> there for a long time. Um, you know, but on the other side, you know, when it is a good fit, you know, those are those are the consulting clients that repeat over and over again. And I've, you know, mm -hmm. I've certainly had uh, a number of those over the last 19 years. But, you know, I, I think one of the things and uh, people who listen to our show uh, frequently have heard me say this before. When I was in corporate America, I didn't realize I was a consultant at heart. Right Now, I kept getting picked for all the special projects. If there was a blank sheet of paper, I was the one who always got drawn in. And I found out later that's what made me such a good consultant. 
And, you know, I think some people spend their life being frustrated in corporate situations, and they don't realize that there's any alternative. So I'm interested in the next tool, which is the Pasco and Collect $200 card, which is all about strategic networking. And you've just talked a little bit about how to appropriately network within your workplace. But I'm assuming here you're turning your view outward and networking beyond your current position because, you know, things can change overnight. Right. That's very true. Uh, what I have found in working with coaching hundreds of women is that the way women tend to network is very haphazard. So I, I say it's like we throw spaghetti against the wall and see what's going to stick. We know we should meet a lot of people and make a lot of connections, but it's not strategic. So when you're building a strategic network, it starts with your career goal. And then who do you know and who do you need to know to reach that goal? And, yes, that constantly changes. Your goal changes. But at least you have a beginning to building a network that's going to work for you. And it goes beyond your your organization. Well, certainly the the support network that you build, your allies, your champions, hopefully sponsors, uh, are really important where you are, but you also want to build that network uh, externally and uh, stay connected to former colleagues, to people who you went to school and business school with, um, joining industry groups, et cetera, but do it in a very strategic way. And always pay attention to your network and nurture your network. Uh, you know, there's such a thing as paying it forward, which really is important. There's a there's um, a story in the book about a client of mine, Lisa, who comes from financial services, and she always took phone calls from her network. You know, it it didn't matter, even at dinner time. Somebody would call her. They needed something. She'd always, you know, always pick up the phone. And she was paying it forward. Um, she took a risk to leave banking and become COO of a startup tech company. After a year and a half, they said, this isn't working. She was the primary breadwinner in her family in her mid-40s. And she was like, now what? <laughs> and she turned to her network and... She immediately they responded, and she ended up getting another position within 90 days, a, a position back in banking that hadn't even been posted yet. So your network is is really really important, and it's uh, by building win-win relationships by right. helping your network, um, they will in turn help you. And it's important to be proactive because you never know when you're going to need those contacts or have to reach out to those contacts. Oh, absolutely. And, it, you know, that was one of the reasons why we started the Executive Girlfriends Group nearly seven years ago is, you know, we were at a, a pretty tough time, and uh, I come from the travel industry, and and uh, the whole industry was struggling, uh, you know, just because of the economic crisis, and, uh, you know, everyone was uh, doing more with less, and, you know, I'll never forget uh, one of our Friday calls, um, one of our members said, oh, you know, today was such a hard day because, you know, I had to give out pink slips to, you know, 20 oh, yeah, of my people. And, um, you know, and I, I, 
everybody, of course, you know, reached out to her and said, you know, how can we support you? And not two weeks later, of course, you know who got hers, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole networking that we've been able to foster, you know, with the Executive Girlfriends Group and and expanding beyond the travel industry to a wide uh, range of industries, uh, including entrepreneurs and and independent consultants, um, you know, is really giving, giving people that network of people that they can call on and that they are connected to, and they don't have to worry about connecting through LinkedIn or, you know, something else that feels more oh, impersonal. So and the other thing is your network can promote you when you can't. Yes. So it's, it's great to, to have a group of people understand your value, your value proposition, uh, that can actually, you know, in the workplace that can advocate for you as well as externally when you need it. Right, right. So the next uh, tool is actually the get-out-of-jail-free card, uh, which those of us who grew up loving Monopoly uh, absolutely know what that is. Mm. So this whole chapter is about sponsorship, and this is something men do very, very well. They sponsor each other into golf club memberships. They sponsor each other into the, you know, Young Presidents Association and, you know, Mm -hmm. you name it. So what can women do in this area of sponsorship? Well, when we're building our network, first of all, and we're building a very strategic network, uh, we should identify early on who might be a potential sponsor and begin to nurture that relationship, increase visibility with that partic- with those people. It doesn't have to be just one person. Uh, but identify somebody who is at least two levels above you, who's an executive who has the power and influence to advocate for you, for, to make things happen for you um, in your career. Uh, very often women choose sponsors uh, that they like, that they respect, who don't necessarily have power, and that's one. Yeah, thing I was going to ask about well. the distinction between sponsorship and mentorship, and and perhaps we ought to get that out of the way first. Okay. Um, well, a mentor gives you advice, and it's usually based on their own industry or their own work experience. So you can have any number of mentors that you'll turn to, uh, even informally when a situation comes up and you say, oh, you know what, I would like so-and-so's opinion on that or how I should handle that. So a mentor gives great advice. A sponsor gives great advice too, but they also take action on your behalf, and that's the difference. They have the power to take action on your behalf. So they literally pull you up through the organization. They create visibility for you. They get you on high-profile projects. They have your back so you can take more risks. And uh, they're out there advocating for you on, um, you know, on a daily basis. And because they are an executive, because they're a senior executive who has power, it gives you um, a lot of clout in the organization. People know what that relationship is. And it is two-way. Because a lot of people think, well, you know, a sponsor does a lot for a protege, but what does the protege bring to the table? You know, it's still a mutually beneficial relationship where the protege can do a lot for their sponsor. 
even if it's just being their eyes and ears out in the field, you know, because sometimes senior executives are a little isolated. But there are ways that you can help your sponsor or support your sponsor's initiatives. Um, women hesitate to, number one, find appropriate sponsors, and number two, to even seek sponsors or ask for sponsors. Well, and, you know, the interesting thing I have found is, particularly with men, they actually love to be asked. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we, we are, just have that built-in fear and reticence of, of somebody saying no to us. But if you can articulate something specific that you need or you want them to sponsor you in, if they have the ability to do it, they will. Mm-hmm. They have to believe in you. Yeah. They have to understand your value proposition because they're taking a risk to sponsor you. Uh, they're really putting themselves out there on your behalf. So there needs to be a relationship of trust. And these relationships happen, you know, they develop organically over time. It's not something very often, you know, I'll be speaking, giving a workshop, and inevitably a hand will go up, how do I ask somebody to be my sponsor? And you don't just ask somebody to be your sponsor. Sometimes you don't even need to do the ask because the relationships develop organically. But when the time comes, it's not um, it's not always a formal ask with somebody who has no knowledge of you because you've built that strong relationship and, and they trust you. Right, right. So once we have, have navigated all of that, um, the next thing that you bring up is something that I, I know is so, so beneficial. You call it the GPS, but this is really that next level beyond uh, strategic networking and sponsorship, and that is actually getting coaching. And, and again, just bringing a personal story to the table, uh, in one of my last corporate jobs, um, my boss uh, recognized all of my skills and talents, but you know he told me I really needed to go to corporate charm school. And while <laughs> at first it hurt my feelings, I you know later I saw what a gift it was. And he actually sent me not to a coach um, because that just wasn't as popular then as it is now. This is back in in the early 90s. Um, but he sent me to um, a really great training program, you know, about how how to be effective, uh, you know, in a leadership role, really with your peers, not so much with with uh, the folks that you're you're managing or leading. But you know, executive coaching since then has really become um, very accessible. There are lots of different kinds of coaches, mm-hmm. and you know, again, I think it is certainly possible uh, if you see. Uh, that you have a desire to move up within an organization to actually ask if the company has anything like that available. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you brought up a really good point. I would say in the 90s, the the mindset about coaching was uh, it's part of a development plan due to a weakness, that somebody needs to develop a, a particular skill more because on their performance review, maybe they got dinged on something, you know. Um, executive coaching now is, is much more than that. It's, it's really, as the GPS is, it's, a, it's really um, uh, a guide to help you 
navigate, position yourself well in the in the workplace, and it uh, a good coach will will do that for you in, in a very objective way. They'll be your partner to help you understand some of your challenges, some of the obstacles, and how to navigate uh, around that. It it really coaching really gives um, you a leading edge. And if I look at the women who have reached out to me for coaching, uh, number one, they're ambitious. You know, they have embraced that. They know that they need to invest in themselves if they want to reach um, that the goal they set for themselves. And they see that coaching is it, it will help them get there. So it's it's not necessarily a um, uh, a, a, a tool that you would use without a strategy, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely, definitely. So moving beyond coaching, uh, your next chapter is about, you know, once you've achieved the success, how do you stay ahead? Yeah. I think most of us assume that, well, we make it to the C-suite or senior leadership, you know, we can put our feet up on the desk and drink coffee. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, one of my very first managers, who was a mentor of mine, said that you know you're doing a good job as a manager if you can put your feet up on the desk and drink coffee. Uh, in other words, you've delegated appropriately, et cetera. Um, right. But oh, that is not that is not reality. As you move up in an organization, the politics becomes more intense. Uh, there's a scarcity of roles, especially for women. And politics plays a big part in maintaining your status and 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 success. And uh, it's less about your technical skills. And at that level, it's much, much more about your relational skills. And using all the tools that we've talked about today become even more important to understand what is going on around you, particularly, you know, the politics. Right. Um, understanding relationships, understanding um you know, who has the power and influence, what what are the politics at play um, any given day. Uh, you, As a leader, you're also trying to sell your initiatives across the organization. And so building that, having that savvy and building that network of supporters and allies will help you to, um, to sell your initiatives and your ideas, um, as well as to protect you. Right. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we've talked about getting ahead and, and staying ahead and, and the workplace dynamics and, and the politics. Um, so many of the women that I know uh, and many of our members in the Executive Girlfriends Group have made it to uh, director positions and vice president positions in you know, some very, very major corporations but they they simply have not been considered for a C-level role um, and is or even an executive want? vice president role. Want? So the next question is, uh, and this is your, your last chapter, is moving forward, are you ready? And mm -hmm. is moving forward in your current company the, the place where you can really shine? Or, you know, do you move into a role, a higher role in a smaller company, perhaps, where you can have 
you know, much a much broader experience. So how do you tell if you're ready to move forward? Well, I, everybody can answer that question differently. It depends, first of all, what does success look like for you? Um, you know where you want to be. You know where you are now. Uh, how do you plan on getting from A to B? You know, do you have the, the skills, the tools, the resources to do it? And if you feel you have um, checked those boxes, that you are, in fact, ready, and your current work environment doesn't provide those opportunities, then it is time to look elsewhere. Uh, you always want to find um, a situation, a work environment, where you can showcase your skills. And at the end of the day, uh, that's very important to women, is to feel that they have some purpose, some connection, some, you know, that they can thrive and flourish even more than um, than financial reward. And so uh, if you feel that you can't move forward where you are then and you are ready, you've checked those boxes, then it is time to, to look, look around. Right, right. So if, if – our listeners take away one thing from what they have heard from you today, and and we've covered a lot of ground. Again, the tools that we've talked about are, are the mirror and the magnifying glass, the Pasco and Collect $200 card, Get Out of Jail Free card, and the GPS. What is the one thing you want people to take away from this discussion? That it takes more than your hard work to get ahead. And when you realize that, you will then learn to be savvy about what it takes to get ahead where you are. And understanding the politics uh, is uh, a critical a critical part of, of being able to reach whatever your career goal is. Well, Bonnie, I so appreciate you taking your uh, first day of a long weekend to to spend this time with us. And, you know, we've got so many of our, our executive girlfriends group members who are in corporate roles and, uh, you know, for one reason or another, haven't achieved as much as they would like. I know they are all high-achieving women and have the ability, you know, definitely to get ahead. And your book will help them actually get ahead and stay ahead. So the name of the book we've been talking about today is the politics of promotion how high achieving women get ahead and stay ahead with bonnie marcus bonnie would you tell folks how they can get in touch with you if they're interested in coaching or interested in having you speak at one of their events uh, you can certainly go to my website which is womenssuccesscoaching.com and my email is bonnie at womenssuccesscoaching.com um, you, there's contact information on the website as well. So uh, that's the best way to reach out. I'm also on Twitter. My handle is self-promote and on LinkedIn as well. Oh, great. Yeah, and I see at the bottom of your website you've got all of your social media links, which is terrific. All right.
right, Bonnie. Well, thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and sharing your book. And we just wish you all of the the success. And I hope you have a great, great long weekend. For those of you who have been listening today, if you'd like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, just go to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com or visit our Facebook group, Executive Girlfriends Group. Thank you so much and have a terrific weekend. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.